This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, February 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride elects new mayor pro tem, Ecology Commission readies for climate action in partnership, TAB looks for stars in the darkness, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its extended community this week. Telluride Film Festival co-founder Tom Luddy passed away in California after a long illness. He was 79 years old. Starting as a student at UC Berkeley, Luddy was a force in the film industry for nearly six decades. He, along with Bill and Stella Pence and James Cord, founded the Telluride Film Festival in 1974. At the beginning, a festival in a small opera house evolved into one of the most revered film festivals in the world. Letty is survived by his siblings, Brian, James, and Janine, and his wife, Monique. Telluride has a new mayor pro tem. First of all, I love what I do, and um, I love representing everybody in the community. That's Telluride Town Council member Jesse Ray Arguez. Arguez has served as mayor pro tem since 2021, but stepped down from the position this week due to health issues. She highlights town council's last meeting where both she and Mayor Delaney Young were absent. That last uh, medical trip, Delaney was also sick and couldn't participate in executive session. And that uh, inhibits council's ability to, to run properly and and for our government to, to be at its best. So I feel like with looming health issues, it's just and Delaney's uh, familiar obligations that are ahead of her, that the best thing to do is have someone um, who's more available. The mayor pro tem serves as the second in command on town council, a vice mayor, if you will. According to Telluride's home rule charter, the mayor pro tem performs the duties and has the powers of the mayor if the mayor is absent or unable to perform their duties. At the meeting, Arguez nominated council member Mian Fee to step into the role as mayor pro tem. Fee notes she's happy to serve in the position. You know, obviously the hope is that Delaney is... You know, doesn't need me at all, of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, yes, I feel that I can absolutely fulfill the role and responsibilities if called upon. Telluride Town Council unanimously voted for Council Member Fee to take the position as mayor pro tem. At a meeting in late January, the Telluride Town Council voted to broaden the bench of the Ecology Commission. But they didn't add any new positions. KOTO's Gavin McGough reports on just what exactly broadening the bench means. Over the years, the need to address climate change has only become increasingly urgent. Here in Telluride, the push towards renewable energy received a boost last year when the town adopted its climate action plan. Jenny Russell, chair of the Ecology Commission, describes the plan with one word. Big. Yeah, big. But it has to happen, you know, start happening immediately. Some of it has. Some of it are big lifts, right? That big climate plan lays out over 30 focus areas for Telluride's green energy transition. And it pledges to make the town carbon neutral by 2040. Zoe Denall, deputy town manager and one of town's lead staff members working to implement the plan, 
lists some of the plan's priorities. Building emissions, energy, transportation, water, natural resources. So, um, you know, when we talk about sustainability or the environmental well-being, it's not just one thing. It's a whole lot of things that need to move in parallel directions in a very similar timelines. Um, so it's a lot to, to bite off and how to best execute it. Now that the community has the plan in place, it faces the question of who will lead these monumental changes. Town is adjusting some of the Ecology Commission's duties in order to prepare for the plan's rollout. Russell says over the years, the Ecology Commission has seen its role evolve and expand. Back in the day, uh, I think the Ecology Commission was uh, informally known as the Dog Poop Committee. <laughs> Um, that maybe that was our biggest issue at the time. It's not anymore. Um, I got involved a couple of years ago because I saw that the Ecology Commission was going to be involved in the Climate Action Plan, and I feel a real sense of urgency about that. Um, and so that is part of what we're doing. All the while, Russell and Denal both stress the Ecology Commission will not be the sole entity in putting the plan in place. Some of the changes actually include the Ecology Commission meeting less, so both staff and volunteers have more time to prepare. Changes will also make it easier for the board to collaborate with other area stakeholders, so responsibility for the green energy transition falls on the community as a whole. This is something Denal calls broadening the bench. Here, she explains. Broadening the bench is really just being fair in allocating, you know, responsibilities, expectations, time to everybody. If you look at the plan as a to-do list, Denal says it can feel overwhelming. Each focus area comes with a handful of action items, she explains. And when you start breaking it out and all of these um, kind of, let's say, boxes to check off to actually execute an item, it is... I don't want to say infinite, but it feels infinite. It's a lot of work. And that's why, and when someone asks me, look, okay, well, what are you working on? What's your priority? They, there's so many things that are working collectively in the same path. And in order to be effective, again, it's bringing in those partners and those expertise. The updates to the Ecology Commission will prepare Telluride for this climate push as they collaborate with the San Miguel Power Association eco-action partners, private businesses and homeowners, and dozens of others along the way. A large star frames the center of the stage at the Palm Theater. It glistens in the lights. And then, music. It's the Telluride AIDS Benefit Student Fashion Show. This year's theme for the show is Without Darkness Would Never See the Stars. Owen Doyle, Telluride High School senior and co-director of the fashion show, explains. Earlier this year, um, us and a bunch of other people in the show got to go visit a bunch of our beneficiaries in Denver. And we were just reflecting on how far TAB reaches in the connections we make. And that each one of our beneficiaries and TAB itself kind of spreads a lot of light and positivity. So we kind of based our theme on like constellations and space and stars and that like, you know, like there's a bunch of just like good work being done in the world and it's all connected. 
Throughout the show, a total of 80 students confidently walk onto the stage, strut their stuff with the full support of their cast behind them. The fashion show is truly student-run. Taylor Carson and Ava Osborne, also seniors at the high school, are co-directing with Doyle. Carlson notes that student-centric, collaborative nature is key. You really get to see students blossom and gain confidence throughout the show, which is really cool. Um, it definitely brings people together and, you know, kind of creates these relationships that are so special. The show is colorful, playful, immersive, and fun. But Osborne highlights the purpose of the fashion show is so much more than the glitz and the glam. We talk a lot about stigma, the student show and the adult show, and um, helping to end stigma. And I think that's what we're really focusing on. And this fashion show does a great job of doing it in a fun way and really reaching a large group of people and a lot of young people. It's those young people, Carlson adds, they're trying to inspire. Especially kids that come and see the show. I feel like it's important that they realize they can do great things too and it's not just up to the adults to make these changes in the world that we can do it and we are fully capable and we can make big impacts if we work together. Proceeds from the fashion show this year will go to TAB's beneficiaries, HIV AIDS organizations in Colorado, Utah, Ethiopia and Swaziland. The Telluride AIDS Benefit Student Fashion Show will take place on Thursday, February 16th and Friday, February 17th at the Palm Theater. The Adult Fashion Show will take place Thursday, February 23rd through Saturday, February 25th at the Conference Center in Mountain Village. Tickets are available at TellurideAidsBenefit.org. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing nearly $10 million in composting projects across the nation as it aims to keep food scraps out of landfills and create a more sustainable food future. Some 250000 of those dollars are coming right here to San Miguel County, where they will fund a comprehensive compost and food waste reduction project. San Miguel County applied for the USDA grant with the aim of creating a countywide composting program. County Commissioner Chris Holstrom notes many area individuals and organizations have been working to tackle food waste issues for years, but the funds open a pathway for a more comprehensive approach. In this rural county, with many remote and isolated communities, creating an overarching program has proven a challenge. The county, Holstrom says, is excited to, quote, use the funding to provide greater coordination as we further our regional food waste education and composting efforts. Mountain Film is still a half a year away, but for those who can't wait, the festival is hosting its annual fundraiser at the Palm Theater on February 19th. Winter Shorts will feature short films to inspire, bring the stoke, and open the mind to a larger world. 
In addition to the films, there will also be a silent auction with everything from Wagner skis to Mountain Film Festival passes. The event will take place on Sunday, February 19th, starting at 5.30 p.m., with films starting at 6.30. Tickets are available at mountainfilm.org. Democrat Adam Frisch announced he will be running again in 2024 to challenge Representative Lauren Boebert in Colorado's 3rd Congressional District. He ran against her in last year's midterm elections and lost. The race was one of the closest in the country and required a mandatory recount. Boebert ended up winning by less than 600 votes. Frisch has already filed paperwork with the Federal Elections Commission for the 2024 race. Lawmakers want to add protections for vulnerable Coloradans going through eviction. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports it's one of a host of housing bills moving through the state legislature. The bill would require certain tenants and landlords going through eviction proceedings to use mediation. That means they would work with a neutral third party instead of a judge to find a compromise. It would only apply to tenants who receive public assistance or disability benefits. Boulder-based Representative Junie Joseph says the bill is about creating more equity in housing. It's so important if we're talking about eviction protection that we have to ensure that that very small and marginalized group of people also are part of the discussion. And I think this bill will ensure that they are at the table and their voices are heard. The bill would also give those tenants more time to leave their home after an eviction order. Housing issues are a major priority for Colorado lawmakers this session. Another bill would allow local governments to impose rent control. Legislators are also trying to limit evictions by clarifying the exact situations in which they can happen. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. Wolves may be a somewhat common critter in nearby Wyoming and Idaho, but Colorado has seen very little of the contentious carnivores in recent decades due to 20th century clashes with ranchers and farmers. As Colorado prepares to reintroduce wolves, people around the state are weighing in. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KDNK's Haddison Rensbury has more. Gray wolves have a nearly mythological reputation in a state where their appearance is uncommon and sightings are often heavily debated. So it is no wonder that some community members are apprehensive to Colorado's imminent wolf reintroduction. Wolves aren't picky about where they live. The only requirement is an abundance of large game. Notably, the region that has been determined to be most suitable for wolves in Colorado is the region where voters were less enthusiastic about the idea of another large predator. Earlier this month in Rifle, Colorado, a small town on the border of the reintroduction zone, a meeting was held to invite community commentary on the process and draft of the overall plan. A number of biologists and ecologists showed up to the meeting making their cases for biodiversity and the benefits of reintroduction alongside ranchers and outfitters from several different counties. Jack Ham and Levi Miller are two ranch hands that showed up to the meeting in support of their colleagues in the agriculture industry. Both young men come from families that work in agriculture. Jack spoke first about his reservations with the wolf reintroduction plan as it is, and Levi followed suit. I I just don't think it's going to turn out very well. I think there's too many issues that aren't going to be addressed and issues that we're not going to be able to see. With the cattle and the herd management, we won't be able to to just watch over all of them, especially with as much brush and covers around here. You won't be able to locate all your animals, and even if one is killed by a wolf, you're not going to be able to find it. Watching over herd mainly 
because a lot of ranchers go up and check them maybe two, three days out of the week, and if that, it, one day out of the week. And with wolves, you'd have to check them so much more, and ranchers have so much more to do during the summer because they got to irrigate take care of all their other equipment and just to keep going up there to look after your cattle that's just another thing that you got to do and if not you got to hire someone to do it and ranchers don't got a lot of money. Another attendee was Mary Gervais, a retired biology teacher who claims that post-reintroduction wolves would be in the proximity of her backyard and she still supports the measure. I started learning about wolves and wolf reintroduction in 1988 we spent at least a month studying wolves and wolf reintroduction in class. We had a simulation. I personally favor reintroduction of wolves because to me, the health of wildlife and keeping the ecosystem in the best order it can be takes primary importance. And I'm here today because I figure if I talk the talk for all those years at school, I better walk to the walk when it comes to my county. When outfitter and rancher Pearl Burby from southwest Colorado was asked what she was most concerned about, she had this to say. Pretty much the ungulate population, it will be dramatically affected by the introduction of the wolf. And that affecting um, my family personally and professionally because we, we already are considering selling our business because of it. Colorado Proposition 114 has already established that releases of wolves must be 60 miles or more from nearby tribal lands, as well as the Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico borders. And the initiative requires that the reintroduction of gray wolves must begin by the end of this year. Commentary on Colorado Parks and Wildlife's draft plan is only open until February 22nd, after which point the final draft and regulations approval meeting will be held in Glenwood Springs on May 3rd and 4th. For KDNK News, I'm Hattison Rensbury. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low near negative 5 degrees. Thursday calls for sun and a high near 25 degrees. Wind chills could dip as low as negative 10. Clear skies and cold temperatures will likely continue Thursday night with a forecast low around zero and wind chill values as low as negative 15. Friday should be sunny with a high near 40 degrees. Friday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 15. This has been the news for Wednesday, February 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, Call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, this is Teresa at the Telluride Historical Museum with your Miner's Minute. Our Telluride region is made special by our wonderful neighbors and community members. As our 2022-2023 winter season hints at spring, we wanted to say a big thank you to all the locals who are working so hard to run our lifts, pour our coffee, and shovel our streets. Recently, our local's free day for people who live in our region to visit free of charge was changed to Saturdays. So let our front desk staff know that you're local and enjoy free admission any Saturday. We appreciate all our neighbors and hope to see you there soon. As the new Lift 9 opened this week, it's a good time to check out the quirky stories and amazing artifacts from the evolution of the Telluride Ski Resort. Plan an APRE visit to our newest annual exhibit, The Long Run, 50 Years of the Telluride Ski Area, which will remain on view until April 1st, so you don't want to miss it. 
Finally, mark your calendars for our much-beloved spring fundraiser, Daffodil Days. Pre-orders will begin February 20th. You can reserve your bundle of spring sunshine while supporting two fantastic causes, the American Cancer Society and the Telluride Historical Museum. So again, that's February 20th. Be sure to order your daffodils. The museum is open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. with our last day of the season on April 1st. And no, that's not an April Fool's joke. So thanks so much, and we hope to see you soon. Thanks, Koto. You're a rare medium. Well done. If you have ever been interested in starting your own business caring for infants and toddlers, then please go to strongstartstrongcommunity.org to learn more about opening your own family child care home in a brand new four-bedroom Sunnyside unit. You can contact me, Kathy, from Bright Future's Strong Start program to learn more about what it means to be the owner and operator of your own in-home child care. Bright Future's Strong Start program is here to support you through the process and answer all of your questions. For more information, please visit strongstartstrongcommunity.org. The deadline to apply is this Friday, February 17th, so don't wait a moment longer. Visit strongstartstrongcommunity.org to learn more. Thanks, Kodo. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.